In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. All right, we're almost ready. Just days away from Saturday. This is Drew. And before I get into what's going to happen on the show today, I want to remind you, please subscribe to this podcast and get it on the reg. That means have it pop up on your phone on a regular basis once per week. That's when we do it. Today on the show, John and I are going to talk about what a Titanic win this will be and why that will be. And there's some interesting little facts to cover because this is a, a winnable game against one of the best teams really of all time. Yeah, I said it. Also, we will hear from Dalton Schultz, tight end. But we're not going to talk really any football with him. We're just going to get weird because that's what we do. We get weird. And then after that, Garrett Downing of the Baltimore Ravens does a lot of what I do up there, but he's more involved with social media than I am here. And he's a digital host, but he gives us the lowdown. He's been with the team, the Ravens, since 2011. So that's what we got on the show. But let's start things off with me and my good pal, John Harris. John, this is exciting. This is super exciting. I am riding a high. I'm embracing this journey you know you always hear take time to embrace the journey and i've heard this over the like decades and it's like yeah 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 that well i'm actually living this i'm i'm enjoying what's going on because we saw how awful things were just this time a year ago before D'Amico was hired we'd been through three four years of just misery i am fully engaged and enjoying this process i know you are as well I mean, let's just start with that. This is so much, no matter what, this is awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the, it's hard really to put into words. And, you know, people ask and I'm like, I, I go back to the last three years and I'm like, think about how, how y'all as a Texans fan felt the last three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now just have that, like, have that right there how you felt oh it was terrible it was this it was that i was like okay now go in the building every day and that's your job every day mm-hmm. oh man that's way worse yeah uh i tell the story uh i don't know if i told the story uh it's uh in the lab story time so this was probably two and a half years ago i i think i was coming back from work or whatever but I'll, I'll wear my texans gear out and about you know mm-hmm. i didn't you know whatever and so i gone to get my haircut um the place shall remain uh nameless but i went into great clips and as i walked in there was wait you, i just you went it, into schmate slips yeah what? Schmitt, yeah yeah whatever okay so i went in there and it was a place i'd gone to for for a little bit and so i knew some of the 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 people in there that, that cut hair and they're, they're really nice. And they got to where they would recognize me. Maybe didn't know my name or whatever. And so I sat down at this one woman's chair where I had, I had been before and she saw my Texans stuff and she was like, Ooh, why, why you Texans fan? Like, Oh, why? And I just kind of like, you know, I know times are tough, but you know, I, I work for the team, et cetera. And right. she stopped and she goes, well, does that mean you have to wear the logo every day? 
And it just hit me like, wow, okay, we've gotten to such depths that this woman is questioning, like, why I should even wear the logo. And I work for the team. Mm-hmm. And I just, I remembered that. And, and so at that point, I'm kind of checked out. And she's talking about at that point, well, you know, I'm a big Cowboys fan, but I'm a big Oklahoma fan. She's talking about, you know, football. And you can tell she knows enough to be dangerous, but not right. enough to be intelligent about it. And I just was like, yeah, okay, um, sure. Well, I've, I've since moved away from that. And as you guys can see, if you watch this on video, I need a haircut. I got and a lady, so, I got a lady for you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm tempted to go back there wearing Texans gear and see how she feels. Um, well, it, because out. the last that I looked, we're still playing and her teams aren't. Well, time out. Um, I've got a lady who has cut my hair since 2009 and she's fantastic. And she, she once asked me, does every state have a NFL team? Mm-hmm. So a little different. A little yeah. Different. But a little different, but that, at, and, 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 hey, that she, but she didn't denigrate, her, she didn't denigrate no. your employer right it's, in front of your face. Sports is just not her thing. And she's, she was asking a legit question. I one, you know, I so I stopped, I stopped going to see her. I went to the same one, but I would ask for somebody else. Um, I'll, but I feel like going back there and asking for her and saying, and, and wearing it saying, Hey, um, we're doing pretty well. Yeah, how are the Cowboys? Yeah. The Cowboys. Do they have this how about game? them Cowboys? Are they playing. Oh no, they're well, they're keeping the same head coach, and we'll play them up in our. Well, we'll play them up in Arlington. So I want to just real fast, Drew, because I know we got a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. So I saw this article yesterday. I want to get your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. So they've announced the four teams that are playing over in London next year. One's the Bears, obviously the Jaguars. There's one other, and then the Vikings. Well, we go to Minnesota and Green Bay. So somebody from NFL.com wrote four london matchups that he would like to see and one of them was vikings v texans at tottenham sign how would you up. feel about sign that sign me up i want i love going i love going international mm-hmm. on other people's money so yeah <laughs> let's let's do it i had I, the, the london trip was the most fun trip you know i got to take in texas yeah you I went a few so, days early too yeah my guy tyler sutterth and mm-hmm. i had a lot of fun we were there we got there Tuesday afternoon. We left on Monday night, and mm-hmm. it was a tremendous trip. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was uh, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun work. Yep. And I put work in air quotations. And then Friday that you guys got there with the team, and we did yep. did some more work. But the kind of the hay was all in the barn for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, while you you guys were off doing sightseeing, I I'd gotten sightseeing. to do sightseeing. You know those three days as I was as part of my job. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. So I got to do some kind of local sightseeing, just sort of chill by myself on Saturday, which was just fun. Well, I love it. I, I'm all for it. And it would stun me because I thought the next international trip the Texans would take would be in Mexico. That's what I thought too. Now we go back. It's an even year. So even years we'll play eight home, nine road. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't, I don't, I don't think it would we'd have to give up a home game at that point, but we'll see. You know, the Jaguars give them up every year, but I think they're NFC team. I know it's Bears and Vikings, and there's one other, but um, but either way, yeah. The sightseeing that that Mark and I did was in a two hour, I swear to you, a two hour Uber ride yeah. all the way through London. Uh Houston's traffic is nothing compared to London. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, first of all, we're on the other side of the road. We're, Mex- kind we're of Mexico cities for that. Yeah, Mexico City was was tough too. Um, but we were in a Uber and it actually ended up not, you know, I remember at the time I felt this too, but even looking back, it was cool because we did, we saw that we saw 
driving through the city. We saw a little bit of everything on our yep. on our drive because we had to go do radio and then at our whatever bar we were at and then send it back. So mm-hmm. um so anyways, I just thought that would be good. So on to it. Baltimore. Well, first, your haircutting story triggered a memory and really a prediction for me. A few years ago, when my son started playing my son started playing flag and seven on seven football. There was, there was always at each age level, you know, you had like eight and under, and then you had nine-year-olds and then you had 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds at each level. And this is three, three, some years ago, each level, there was a Texans team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they had, and I got to tell you, their, their uniforms were awesome. They were not the standard tech, like copies. Right, 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 they, right. they went and customized them and they're mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Well, about two years ago, stop seeing them. There were Oilers. Every the commissioner's son's team was the Oilers because the commissioner gets to choose or whatever. So every division had an Oilers. Mm-hmm. A lot of divisions had Houston Gamblers. Oh wow! And all the others, but there were there were no Texans teams. I don't. I didn't mm. see any this year. Wow! I predict you will see Texans teams in next those year. divisions next yeah, year. Of course, because um, things lean, have changed. Yeah, the lean times they were on. It's it's a little different now. I I predict yep. that that changes. So yep. it'll be fun to see. Okay, but let's talk about these Baltimore Ravens. This is going to be a, um, this is a, this is a, a, a winnable game. It, it's for, I don't think this is a nine points. I know Vegas thinks it's a nine, but I think this is a much closer game. I think the Texans can absolutely win it because if something special at quarterback and CJ Stroud, no broken news right there. Let me just tell you what you're beating. If you wind up beating the Ravens NFL advanced stats, I was talking about this with you mm-hmm. before we, we got on the air. Yep. So the, the 23 Ravens, the 1985 Bears, which is the best team I've ever seen, the yep. 85 Bears and the 84 Niners, two best teams I've ever seen. Yep. So the 23 Ravens, the 85 Bears, and the 1972 Dolphins, which only undefeated team in the history of the league. Yep. Those three teams all averaged 25 points a game while leading the NFL in rushing offense and scoring defense so it's three things there Hmm. minimum of 25 per number two led the nfl in rushing offense ravens had 156 and a half per game this year yep and they led the nfl in scoring defense which means they gave up the fewest points per game they averaged teams averaged 16 and a half points a game against them they averaged 28.4 so they win basically by 12 points every game this season yep. on average on average so you're in talk with those two teams the 72 dolphins the 85 bears you're you're a historically good team you should probably win the super bowl or be in the super bowl but i think you can beat these guys and one thing actually two things that i've seen have come from espn personalities that have really really piqued my interest and emboldened me and given me even more confidence in this team lewis riddick mm-hmm. who I think he interviewed for this job. He did to be GM. He did. Uh, interesting guy has some some cool facts, but he was talking about the chess match and how it's like 4D chess between offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick and their defensive coordinator, the Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. Yep. Not the guy that was uh, uh, with the Doobie Brothers. Right. And, yeah. I'm all yeah. Not that guy. Just talking about how high level things are and how yeah. one team runs zone and the other team is so good at beating zone and some of the stuff that Bobby did against the 
Cleveland Browns that got these guys open. So I saw some of that, and that was really cool. And then Orlovsky, Dan Orlovsky, who was a quarterback here, he was actually a uh, backup when I was starting out with a team. Really good guy, sharp, sharp mind, football-wise, loves the game, you know, ingests hours and hours and hours of footage of the game. He was pointing out, hey, the first time these two teams played, yes, it was a 25-9 game, but this was not some coasting to victory by the Ravens. The Texans' defense played really well, did some really good things. Remember, they sacked him four times, yep. Lamar Jackson. They stripped him and, and recovered a fumble once. They picked him off another time. And he was pointing out, Don Orlovsky, none of that stuff. He was pointing out what the linebackers were doing. Christian Harris, Denzel Perriman against the run. You got those guys. Now you're adding in Blake Cashman. So it's fun. Go look at their Twitter feeds is what I'm saying, basically. Dan Orlovsky and Lewis Riddick. And it's really, really cool because there's some stuff that just kind of gives you even more confidence because we already had some of that confidence with C.J. Stroud under center. But there's some of these other, you know, inside football stuff that it's got me geeked up, John. And I know you can expound on a lot of these things, on all these things. Well, one thing that stood out to me when the Ravens played their non-JV roster, they... So every game aside from Week 18, basically. Aside from Week 18. Which they lost because they were resting guys. Yeah. 265 is the number I'll give you. Mm. 265 is the total yardage that the Ravens mm. generated that day against the Texans. That's the that's lowest. That's the lowest the Ravens have generated total yardage-wise. Now... The other team that was close, which will sound weird, but 268, the Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. So the one thing that I like about both teams, the Cardinals in particular, the Cardinals, I mean, I, the Cardinals defense was, was plucky, if that's a good word to use, but they were really good and dialed in. Now, they gave up 31 points in that game, but they gave up 268 overall, which those are the two lowest totals that the Ravens faced. And one of those was against the Texans. Now I could see the Texans, you know, it's the first game. You look at the last four games that they've played with their non JV roster after the bye week, 449, 396, 343, and 491. So I went and I watched the 49ers and Dolphins games last night, actually. And I, as I, I, I don't mean to do this, but I, I try to go in with some expectations, but not like, okay. Just trying, you know, because I watched a little bit of the 49ers game because it's Christmas night, so I watched a little bit. But I hadn't seen any of the Dolphins game. And I, I was like, okay, are we going to see the 72 Dolphins, 85 Bears in these games? And I'm like, damn, man, the Niners gave them that game. The <laughs> Niners gave it to them, like handed so? it to them on a How platter. So? How so? Oh, turnovers. They ran the ball. I mean, Pur Purdy made some, he made some dumb throws. Really dumb throws. I mean, the one early in the red zone is just ridiculous. Now, there was a tip ball interception, uh, but then there was another one by Patrick Queen in the red zone in the uh, uh, defense well, the, that well, he caught it in the Ravens' red zone. So mm -hmm. as soon as he caught it, they were in the red zone. Um, Purdy was just off. Now, the Dolphins, the Dolphins were able to move the ball on them, and that gave me some hope. Like, man, th this isn't the 85 bears defense. It's a good defense, not the 85 bears defense. We can move the ball on these guys. And if we move the ball on them, then it becomes, we've got to put the ball in the end zone. Um, and I've been on the sidelines for uh, three games and we scored, I think a total of two touchdowns. So that that's got to change. And I felt like we move, we, excuse me, 
I felt like we moved the ball okay on them the first time. We just couldn't put the ball – well, from about late first quarter on, we just couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Um, took a lot of sacks that day. Um, pass protection will be different. You have a Dieter, you have a Scruggs, which you didn't have in the first game. That that should help a little bit. Um, and, well, and on the whole, it's settled in. I mean, yes, it's, it's seasoned. It's found right. They have found a little bit of a groove there. Yeah. Um, but I walked out of the the room after watching those two games, uh, and went to bed. And as I laid my head down, I was like, "It's a good football team. It's a really good football team that we're facing." And and uh. We kind of got a group text with Andre and Mark and I, and Andre must have been thinking about the game because he's talking about how great the Ravens are and all this kind of stuff. And here's the thing. Mar Jackson hasn't taken a snap in a game since December 31st. So on Saturday, that'll be the 20th. That'll be nearly three weeks since he has taken a snap in a game. Yeah. And sometimes that's enough to throw off your rhythm. And if we get a little bit of wind, I know he, they're used to playing in Baltimore, but look, Lamar Jackson's a Floridian. Um, you, you never know. Uh, so you just, that's the kind of offensive machine that it's a Lamborghini. And if all the widgets and the sockets are all working together and the pistons are firing, man, it's tough to stop. But if you just have a little bit of the widgets off just a little bit, man, I think can break down. And that's what you've got to really take advantage of. You can't have, you can't have bust in the secondary. You got to know, where you need to be, you got to tackle extremely well. Whenever you have an opportunity to make a tackle, it's got to be made on the spot. And I'm not just talking about Lamar. I'm talking about all of them. They all run really, really well after the catch. And look, they're going to get theirs. They're, they're, this offense is really kind of rounded into shape. Mm -hmm. But you got to hope that in some sense that they're off a little bit from having this break, this rust. And you've been playing since uh, I think it was October 29th. Every single Sunday or Saturday, you've played a game. So you are in a particular rhythm of how mm -hmm. you do things now. And this is the third straight Saturday game. So you're in that rhythm too. Mm -hmm. So you got to make sure that you capitalize upon that as much as you possibly can. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Now, one last thing. You, you, you got your, these numbers from the, the, the uh, research packet that we get from the NFL, which is really cool. Yes. How about this? This is, this is pretty impressive too. Because they got cool stuff about us. Yeah, they do. But whenever you mention the Pottsville Maroons, I'm going to give you this number. The Ravens have seven wins of 14-plus points versus teams with a winning record entering the game in 2023. That's tied with the 2014 Patriots for most in a season all time. Mm -hmm. So the Ravens and Patriots both had seven wins against teams with a winning record. The next with six is the Pottsville Maroons of 1925. The good old Maroons won six games. Now, I think they ended up playing 12, so it's a better percentage. I think um, myself a geography, like I know geography better than most. Yeah, don't you do. Where, don't know where Pottsville is. Yeah, I'm not totally sure what Pottsville, Pennsylvania, Ohio, what I mean. I believe you. Who's to say? But yes. look, we're, I, I think personally, and Drew, you've seen every playoff game. You've been around every single playoff team. I feel like this Texans team going into a divisional round is the most well-rounded and most ready for the opportunity of all of them. Even, well, even 19, I felt like yeah, man, yeah. defensively, we've really shown some cracks in the armor. I'm, I'm worried about that. I feel better about this team, and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but I feel better about this team going into the game, no matter how good the Ravens are and who they're playing. Um, I just feel good about what this team has done and will feel good no matter what happens on Saturday. Yeah, even if you get smashed on Saturday, You've never gone into the, the playoffs and been in the playoffs this hot. Yep. 
and you've never gone in yep. with a quarterback this good, this lethal, this efficient, like C.J. Stroud. You yep. just haven't. Absolutely. So, lots to feel good about. And uh, you brought up Lamborghinis. It brings me, it reminds me of the uh, little song that my kids sing every once in a while. You can't ride in my Lamborghini. You're too big and the seat's too teeny. So, there you go. Maybe the seat's too teeny <laughs> for that Ravens Lamborghini to roll. Yeah, you know? yeah there you go. Um, okay. We got to talk cream of the crop award winners. If we're on Sunday basking in the glow of a victory, getting ready for the AFC title game and a trip to either Buffalo or Kansas city, I don't care, bring it on. I'm all for it. But if we're getting do it, getting ready for that and kind of groggy after the, uh, the late night flight return home to a jubilant city, who was your cream of the crop award winner against the Ravens then? The cream of the crop. Mr. Blake Cashman. Oh, I like cash money. It's before you before you get into your breakdown of cash money, how awesome and how hilarious was his block of that poor offensive lineman that he ba- Blake got the the on the pick six by Steven mm-hmm. Nelson. Blake pushed this guy and this this poor offensive lineman looked like a cartoon, you know, all 330 pounds of him. Well, wheeling on the, on the it was field. Wyatt Teller, and Wyatt Teller is one of the best guards in the league. And yeah. Wyatt Teller has done that to plenty of linebackers. So I'm sure there were plenty of AFC North <laughs> linebackers watching Cash going, yeah, put 77. That, he actually went out of the game after that. Uh-huh. He went out of the game and went into the tent. He missed the next series, so he wasn't on the field. So. He did come in after that um, for a little bit. But, yeah, Cash's block was incredible. I just feel like teams that end up playing the Ravens well or beating the Ravens, and there have been three teams that beat the Ravens this year. And I feel of those, a couple of them have pretty good linebacker play and they have fast linebackers, the Colts, Zaire Franklin, EJ speed, um, the Browns, mm-hmm. JOK, uh, Taki Taki. Um, and I think at that point of the year, I think Anthony Walker was playing fast, smart, athletic linebackers to slow down all the different things they have to slow down. And that's, that's a lot to really be disciplined with Lamar uh, to handle Gus Edwards, um, to cover tight ends, to drop in his own coverage on over routes with Zay flowers, no BJ. I mean, there's a lot, a lot that is put on the shoulders of uh, Blake Cashman and Christian Harris. I mean, this is almost kind of twofer, but I feel like cash has got to have that game. If, if Christian had that game last week, he's got to have a solid game, but cash has got to have that kind of game this week. Love it. That's my cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Love it. My cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. I'm going to go with running back Devin Singletary. Seven carries for like maybe 15 yards in this first yep. go around. Yep. But this is a different offense. This is a different using usage of Singletary. He was money in the bank on Saturday in that win. Didn't have to use him too much because you were hitting the explosives, but right. the explosives helped him. He helped, you know, fuel some of those explosives because of the threat of what he can do. If you want to pull off a win on the road in the cold, you're going to need to run the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think um, cold weather precludes you from passing and hitting the explosives right. for, for that ma- matter, but you got to get some production and you got to get it from him. And I think he's going to be up for the challenge. He's going to be up for the job and I can't wait to see what happens. Drew, that goes to my point earlier about watching those two games against the, the Niners mm-hmm. and against the Dolphins. Devin A. Chan and Christian McCaffrey got theirs 
got theirs early in the game when it was still a ball game. Mm -hmm. The longer you keep it a game, the longer motor becomes an even bigger factor and stays a factor. And so that's, that's key. You keep it a one score game throughout, uh, or you take the lead motor becomes an even bigger factor. Um, what happened in those games is the, the Niners went down early in the second half, like 30 to 12 mm -hmm. and the running game had to, to go. Same thing in the Dolphins game. The Dolphins got down 28-13, and they just jettisoned A-Chan, basically, and away you went with the passing game. And so you you can't allow that to happen. You've got to stay ahead within a score so that motor continues to stay a factor and the run game continues to stay a factor against them. Let's do it, man. It's almost been 50 years since the city of Houston has had a football team go to the AFC title game. Texans get a win. That's going to happen. And I can't wait for it. And regardless, we're going to be back next week doing one of these, but I'd rather be doing one of these getting ready for the AFC championship game. Okay, good stuff from you, John. Up next, I got a chance to get wacky with Dalton Schultz. And this is more like, this is the closest thing to just a, a plain old conversation as opposed to an interview. We sort of went back and forth and back and forth. You, and you played it on the, the radio show last week. But I did. It was great. <laughs> Dalton Schultz, he... He was my guy to watch last week, and he came up, man. He came up with the touchdown catch that gave you that uh, that commanding lead right before the half, and they just kept adding to it and adding to it and adding to it after the intermission. But here I am with Dalton Schultz. Tight end Dalton Schultz, the thing you wish you had invented. What is it? That's a loaded question. I think airplanes. Yeah. would be kind of sick, although testing it would not have been... Scary. If I could like forego the testing part and have somebody else test it, like yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. You shot high. I wish I'd invented the Slurpee or like the frozen oh, margarita. Dude, Slurpees. Yeah. Birthdays on 7-Eleven. Oh yeah, You're that's welcome, right. America. Yeah. What's your favorite Slurpee <laughs> flavor again? What is it? Pina colada. Okay. And my wife's gonna kill me for this. Definitely not Coke. Um, like the blue raspberry. Yeah, one. that's a favorite. It's favorite a little the... bit of that with the pina colada. Oh, you, you screwball it. Oh, you yeah, mix you it up. Mix yeah. it. Do you screwball the drinks and, and the fountain drinks? You ever do that? Growing up? Yeah. That's all we had in Utah. Just all the things. That was entertainment? We suicides. <laughs> suicides. Yeah. That's a different, yeah. Suicides in Utah. Screwballs here in Houston. Yeah. yeah. Poor choice of words for the Utah crowd, but hey, we it, let it slide. On this interview, that sort of slides. It's, it slide. it's okay. Okay, let's talk about the tight end room. And let's say you guys are going on a road trip. Got a nice, comfortable car driving from Houston to, say, Utah. Who's the driver? Me. Who's the navigator? Not Tegan. Not Tegan, okay. So Tegan's sitting in the back. Who's riding shotgun? Okay, are we counting coaches? You can shoot if you'd like. Yeah, you sure you can. I think Jake would be a good navigator. Good navigator, yeah, get you there. Yeah. All right. Also Beck. Beck would be a good navigator, too. <laughs> Shit. I'm going to go with Beck. Okay, over, right. over your, your coach. And that's not, that's not Listen. it. Beck's got life experience, you know? Listen, he's been all over the place, yeah. military kid. What role does Brevin play in the mix there? Oh, he's vibes. Okay. Brevin's in the back. He's got. He's on DJ. Uh -huh. That dude's got vibes. If you're providing the snacks, what are the snacks? Beef jerky. Good. Number one. Slurpees. I'm a Pringles guy. Like what flavor? Dude, so they they made like buffalo wing Pringles for yeah. a while, and now I can't find them anywhere. Dude, it was the best flavor of any chip ever. Buffalo wing Pringles. Once you pop, Unreal. you can't stop. You know. That's why we get the small ones. Yeah. Okay, Pringles, beef jerky, Slurpees, those are good options. It's going to be a Although fun one. the beef one. jerky, like, I will say, dude, if you get, like, teriyaki, it makes the whole car smell like... Yeah, you got to be careful with it. 
There's, there's a, like everything, Great there's spectrums food. of jerky, you know, like some go Central Texas. I still have never been to a Bucky's, so I feel like that's like first stop yeah. on a road trip. You can do that. You can get lots of I've, I've been driving trip. electric, saving the planet, <laughs> you know. What's the most overused emoji? My most overused emoji is the freaking... The horns? Oh, my God. Yeah. My social media team goes a little crazy with that one. Right. Um, through the laughing face. And laughing face. 100%. Yeah. Like... People like overuse that. They put it everywhere yeah. on everything. It's, so it's like you rarely see one. People always like throw like three or like four. The tilted the one. Tilted one. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're ever stuck in a ten foot by ten foot room full of food, what would be the food you'd want to eat? Your nothing. Way out stay with? hungry. But you got to get out hungry. by eating. But like the food is all let around my you. Willpower. Get me out of the room. How's that gonna happen? Don't ask. All right. That's been the most interesting and unique answer of all these. For Skittles. <laughs> Who picked Skittles? Uh, Jerry Hughes. Oh, my God. Jerry, that's terrible. Yeah. You know the right answer is cotton candy. You're going to eat like a handful. Oh, cotton candy is a good one. Because it dissolves. Yeah. And you get out. That's the right answer. And then you get diabetes. Yeah. But yeah. Get out of the room at least. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? Get out of bed. What's the last thing you do before you close your eyes and go to sleep? Set my alarm. Could you wake up without an alarm? I could. I would it be too won't late? ever. Yeah. No, it, it wouldn't. Like, I wake up before my alarm. Really? Pretty much every day. Like, dude, we got back at 4 a.m. Like, I woke up at 7.30 on the dot. Like, it's rough. Just my body is, like, so used to it at this point. Now, were you able to roll back over? after? Congrats on the, the playoff clinching win. It's a nice Thank you. feeling. Were you able to roll back over and go back and get some more shut-eye or no? No. Once I'm up, I'm up. You're up. I just I rode, I rode it all day. No some, napping on the couch. <laughs> no, no nap. I went to bed early. You're an Iron Man. Wow. Okay, if you have this choice, you could be the fastest human alive, but you've got offensive bad breath. Or you could fly, but you wouldn't have any sense of taste or smell. Oh, fine. I'm taking a fly. Flying? 100%. You don't care about fly, eating no, smelling stuff? Fly, dude, flying is like the one superpower that I'd pick yeah. over like anything. It's interesting. Christian Harris chose flying because he's already fast version, as hell. Yeah, and his aversion to bad breath, too. To no, it's breath. because he's already the fastest. Who would be on the 4x100 Texans team? I played the fifth. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to anger a lot of people with that one, so I'm just going to stay out of it. Smart. Did you ever do any track and field? Me? Yeah. <laughs> no. Why not? Pole vaults. Hur me, hurdles, 100%. I've seen you hurdle You're, people. Yes. Hey, actually, you know what? That brings me to this is kind of footballish. We've seen you on the sideline, like working the sidelines this season, and it kind of appears like, oh, Dalton's going to go out of bounds, but you wind up bringing the pain, bringing, like, the business end of Dalton Schultz to a DB, and it's awesome. Other times, we've seen you sort of do that move, but then you spin out like you did against the Colts, and you move forward. Is that just kind of, I'm just doing what's happening, or are you setting people up sometimes and putting this on tape so maybe they'll anticipate nah, this, or am I just overthinking? it's a feel thing. Yeah. I wish I could tell you that, like, oh, like, I, I try to do, dude, I'm out there just reacting. Like, yeah. if some people's angles are, like, too high, and, like, I can sense that their speed is, like, I know when I'm going to slow down, and they don't. Yeah. And it's, like, they think I'm running out of bounds, so they're trying to, like, kill you. So sometimes, like, cutting back can not only, like, save you a hit, but, like, you can gain five, six, seven right. more yards just because a guy takes, like, a high angle. It's just, it's reactionary. It's purely reactionary. That's it. Yeah. Right. I love the hurdle, too. That was cool. Nah, it was terrible. What's one nickname you wish you could have? The Flash. The Flash? No, i kidding. No. Roadhouse. Roadhouse? Okay. We've covered that on these interviews, <laughs> so I won't, I won't go too deep into those. <laughs> Dalton Schultz, thank you so much. This has Appreciate been a Drew's it. Dozen. Fun stuff there from Dalton Schultz. Thank you, Dalton. Good luck, number 86, this weekend, this Saturday against the Ravens. And speaking of those Ravens, I got a pal who knows a thing or two up there in Baltimore. He works for the Ravens. 
And he's been with them for a while now, as you're going to hear in this interview. But uh, here's the enemy sidelines version of things. This is me and my friend, GD. Joining me now is Garrett Downing of the Baltimore Ravens. He's been there a long time. He's the director of social media. He's also a digital host for the Baltimore Ravens. And you kind of do a little bit of everything, Garrett. First things first, I've known you, it seems like forever. When did you start with them? Yeah, I started in 2011. And yeah. uh, my first year, uh, actually played the Texans mm-hmm. in the uh, in the divisional round that year. TJ Yates was the starting awesome. quarterback that year. Um and that was a game here in Baltimore. So that was my first uh, my first playoff experience. And so here we are once again. Yeah, it's pretty wild. There's there's a lot of similarities to that 2011 season for the Texans. I mean, you play there in the regular season very early and fall, and then you're playing there in the postseason as well. And it's an upstart team both times around. But this is a Baltimore Ravens bunch that the Texans saw in week one, but that was four months ago. The Texans... Obviously very different, but, you know, it's like Roquan Smith pointed out uh, recently as well. The Baltimore Ravens are a very different team from the one that we saw in week one. How so? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I, I try to glean from players over the course of this week how much you can draw on that week one game, knowing that both teams have gone through a lot of changes. I think the changes that the Texans have gone through are, are more, I guess, obvious and that you had a rookie quarterback starting his first game. Game. You have a first-year head coach and just the evolution that a young team goes through over the course of a season. For the Ravens, I think the biggest difference is that if you go back to that week one game, it was their first game under new offensive coordinator Todd Malkin. And so they were still kind of figuring things out offensively, deciding on what their vision was going to be for this offense. And that really kind of developed, I would say, around midseason. And then they hit their stride over the course of the last five, six weeks of the season where the Ravens we're really red hot playing some of the best teams in the league, like the 49ers and the Dolphins and the Jaguars, and just playing some really tough competition down the stretch. And that's where the offense really got going into a groove. That's where Lamar Jackson, I thought, really took full command of the offense down the stretch and likely earned himself a second MVP award. So it, it is interesting. You know, I, I think that you don't throw out week one in terms of trying to learn from it, both these teams. But you also have to look at it with the knowledge that there's been a lot of changes on both sides of this over the course of the last four months. Yeah, now that you have 17 games uh, to view this offense, how is it much different than what we've seen there in Baltimore the last few years? Well, it's definitely different. Previously, the the offense was much more of a run-heavy scheme, particularly in terms of the quarterback design runs. The quarterback design run is not as much of a piece of the offense now compared to the last five seasons uh, when Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator. Now, of course, Lamar was still tucking around, but um, much less so uh, than he did previously, particularly from a called standpoint. Um, the main thing that Lamar has said from a difference is that he has the keys to the offense. So he has more freedom to call plays at the line of scrimmage to make adjustments. And Todd Munkin has, has that was a priority for him, honestly, even before the season started when the Ravens hired Todd Munkin, he, he said to Lamar, you know, back in the spring, I want to give you the keys and put more on your plate, and the Ravens have done that. And so I think that Lamar's growing comfort with the offense over the course of the season has allowed him to really take the reins of that. I also think that in past years, you know, the weapons around Lamar are better than they've been in past years. You have some veterans like Odell Beckham Jr., Nelson mm-hmm. Aguilar. Both those guys have won Super Bowls and have come up with big catches 
over the course of the season. Zay Flowers is a dynamic player. Now, Zay had a big game, a big day in week one when these two teams faced off, uh, but he's been an electric player for the Ravens all season long. So they just have a better complement of weapons, and Lamar is uh, doing a good job of getting the ball to all of them across the field. Yeah, talking with Garrett Downing of the Baltimore Ravens. He's a director of social media and a digital host. You just brought up a few of those weapons out at wide receiver. Ho-hum, another year, and the Ravens still have excellent production at the tight end spot as well. I think 11 touchdowns combined between Andrews and Likely. What stands out about those two? Well, the biggest thing is, you know, the truth be told, they haven't really been as much of a duo as Likely is just Likely replaced Andrews once Andrews went down. Uh, after the, the the ankle injury in week 11 against the Bengals. And, you know, Likely has just played at a really high level. I think that they're two very different players. And so Likely is more of a run-after-the-catch guy. He's, he's he's a bit more of a, call it a receiver playing tight end, you know, where, where Mark is so good at finding the soft spot and making really tough catches. Now, Likely is, I thought, really shown himself to be a guy who can be trusted in big moments down the stretch here. Um, you know, as a young player, but he, he's, you know, he can get the ball and then make something happen with his legs. Lamar and Mark Andrews just have this great connection and feel for where they're going to be. And Mark can break out for route and put himself in a spot where he's just in Lamar's line of sight and Lamar throws it up and, and Andrews can just make tough contested catches. I think the interesting thing for, you know, the Ravens will, will be whether Mark Andrews plays. He returned to practice at the end of last week, which I think, you know, caught a lot of people by surprise. Just the guy who had, you know, foot ankle surgery, um, you know, just just a couple months ago, back in in mid November. And at the time, initially, the the feeling was this is a season ending injury. Then it became okay. Got in there, maybe looked a little better than we first thought. You know, there's an outside chance if we make it deep in the playoffs, he could come back. And then all of a sudden, before the playoffs even start, Mark's back on the practice field. Now, there's a difference between practice and and games and. We'll see if he's able to to play in the game, and then if he's able to play in the game, how much is on his plate? You know, is it a limited snap count? Is it certain packages? But he's already, I think, proven a lot of people wrong. Just getting back on the practice field at this point, the dude is an incredibly hard worker and one of the toughest guys I've ever been around. So I'm not, I'm not doubting him. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. done. I'm, I'm done in that. I'm not in that game anymore. So um, I, it wouldn't surprise anything. Would not surprise me with Mark and. It'll be curious to see how the Ravens use the two of them if Mark is able to play in this game. No doubt. You know, what have you thought about the pass protection this season for Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I do think that this could be a kind of a game in the trenches where, and you could probably say that about most games, but the, the protection for Lamar, I would say, has been hot and cold. They have had injuries at the tackle position. Um, Ronnie Stanley has missed time with get, getting banged up with his knee twice, two different times, one of them in that game. Morgan Moses has missed some time. So they've had a rotation at the tackle position really all year long. Basically four tackles have played, you know, considerable amount of snaps throughout the season. They've got a great center in Tyler Winterbaum, who's a pro bowler this year. They've got two good guards, Kevin Zeitler and John Simpson. So, you know, the, the question is the tackles. I do think that the bye week probably helped those guys just get more healthy and get their bodies ready as veteran players for a playoff run. I think that Stanley and Moses are still really good players. It's just been more of a health question. So I think Stanley's been gradually improving his health down the stretch. Um, you know, when he's at his best, he's one of the best tackles in the game. You know, him and Larry Tunsil came out in that same draft. Um, mm -hmm. And those two guys have kind of been compared to each other since since draft weekend that year. Um, as And so they're, they're, Stanley has a lot of pride in 
when he's playing as best, he can be one of the best left tackles in football. Uh, it's just it's really more of a health question. So that'll be something to watch and monitor. Um, and I'm I'm sure that you know the Ravens are are going to have a variety of different options there. But yeah, I think I I still think this offensive line can be really, really good. Um, and I think that the bye week probably helped them get healthy um, and ready for this run. All right, Garrett Downing of the Baltimore Ravens is joining us. And Garrett, somebody up there needs to be locked up for being a thief because it's not fair that you got Roquan Smith for <laughs> second and a fifth round. We saw him wreck a game when he was a bear earlier the season last year, and then you got to see him again. What has he meant to this this defense? And it's almost like I'm never going to say he's not Ray Lewis. He's obviously not Ray Lewis, but it's like you look at this Baltimore team 10 years later, and it's like, okay, you got a great linebacker. You got a great safety in Kyle Hamilton, but what is Ro? And I want to get to Hamilton in a moment, but what is Roquan Smith so great at? And what has he meant to this defense? Yeah, I think, I think everybody probably underestimated the impact of that trade when the Ravens made it last year and brought him here to Baltimore. I do get Ray Lewis vibes, you know, I, I do. I think that the way he plays the game, the leadership, um, you know, the tone setting, Roquan's the guy that, that gives the hump, the pump up speech in the middle of the huddle uh, before games. He's, he has that element, but I think even during the week, the way he carries himself, you know, with uh, confidence and a little bit of bravado. And um, I think all of that has rubbed off on the rest of the defense. And he backs it up on game day. You know, it's one thing to talk, but it's another thing to be able to back it up on game day. And, and Roquan does both. So I, I think he's just been a tremendous player. He's always in the right spot. He gets everybody lined up in the right position. All the stereotypical things that you want from the middle linebacker, communication, leadership, sure tackling, like he checks all those boxes. Um, so I know he's fired up, you know, about about this these playoffs and this game on Saturday. And, um, you know, and the other thing, too, I'll say is, Patrick Queen's right next to him. Yeah. You know, he's a former first round pick. Both those guys made the Pro Bowl this year as AFC inside linebackers. Patrick Queen's having an excellent season. And in a lot of ways, Queen actually probably makes, you could argue that he makes more plays. He makes more splash plays, you know, tackles for a loss, coming up with sacks, and he flies all over the field. But they kind of have a thunder and lightning dynamic to them. You know, it's a little unique in today's day and age, you know, that you start with these two great linebackers, and that's how the team is built. I think a lot of times teams build from the corner or they build from that outside in with the Ravens. They've got this great inside duo with Queen and Roquan, and they're really the heart and soul of this team. And I think that they play at such a high level and everybody kind of takes their cues from them. And, you know, if the Ravens defense, which has been excellent all season long, if, they, if the defense has, you know, a really strong game on Saturday, I think it will be because you look at the stat sheet and, oh, okay, there's, there's 12 tackles for Oakland Smith and there's eight tackles and a, and a sack for Patrick Queen. You know, that's mm -hmm. kind of been the way that the Ravens have played. And if they're going to have success on Saturday, that's, that would be the recipe. And then you have, we're talking with Garrett Downing of the Baltimore Ravens. Then you have Kyle Hamilton. That's a guy Texans fans are very familiar with. A lot of them wanted him in the draft in 2022. And he's turning out to be that special player that a lot of folks around here thought he could be. What have you seen? He's been great. I think he's honestly been best case scenario for what you hoped he would become in the draft mm -hmm. and all pro in the second season. He fell to the Ravens at 14 because I think a lot of teams that were in front of the Ravens debated, like, where do you play this guy? You know, he's big. He's like six foot four. Is he a safety? Do you play him at the line of scrimmage? You know, is he just a true 
you know, rangy safety? How do you use him? Well, the Ravens have kind of unlocked something with him by putting him all over the field. They kind of started by putting him in a big nickel role where he would play at the line of scrimmage and he would blitz and he would come up and run defense. And this year he's played a little bit of everything. He'll still play that role, but he'll play traditional safety. Um, he'll make plays in the backfield. He'll fly all over the place. He can come up with interceptions. He's just been excellent. Um, and I think that, um, again, I think that when the Ravens drafted him, if you were to say, what do you hope he becomes – this is kind of best case scenario. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he, he dealt with a knee injury this year, but, you know, he's, he's worked his way back. And um, I think that he is going to be, a, I think he's already a terrific player. And I think that he is, um, he, he's, he has playmaking potential every single time. And I'm sure that the CJ Stroud and that Texans offense are going to want to know where he is on the field every single play, because he's so versatile. Again, you can put him at the line of scrimmage. They can line him up at the deep safety they can move them all over the place. So I think that makes life tough. And I do think that will be kind of a game within a game in terms of how the Ravens use Hamilton. Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald is really creative. He's getting a bunch of head coaching interviews, you know, based on, you know, his, his talent and ability. Um, but I think that the matchup of how the Ravens use Hamilton will be something to watch. And that could be a huge factor in this game. Yeah. You bring up Stroud. Stroud is definitely aware of him. He brought, he called out Hamilton by name as being, you know, one of the guys he's got to take care of, has got to look out for, and one of the uh, the linchpins of a fantastic Baltimore Ravens defense. So, Garrett, this is going to be a fun one. We always do appreciate the time. We uh, look forward to seeing you in just a few days. Texans and Ravens in the divisional round. It's going to be a fun one, man. Thanks so much for the time. Awesome, man. It's good to catch up. We'll see you on Saturday. All right, fun stuff there from Garrett Downing. Thank you to him. Thank you to Dalton Schultz, and thank you to my good pal, John Harris. This has been an awesome in the lab. Please remember, subscribe to this. We do this year round, football games or not. We're talking about your favorite football team. So subscribe. And that way, when this thing goes live, it goes to your phone and just goes ping or whatever little noise you use to signify, hey, my podcast is ready to listen to. All right. Thanks so much. This is so much fun. Relish in the journey. Wear your Texans gear on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon.